When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trading the Stock Market. In today's episode, it's going to be a good one. We have... An email from a guy that wants to be called Bear. I swear, so many people want to be called Bear in their emails. And if you don't understand the backstory to why I give people names, instead of using their real names, I give them a Florida redneck name. This guy wants to be called Bear. I kind of think it's because we're in a bear market, so more people are choosing the, the name Bear. I think this is like the third or fourth time I've used it in a podcast. But nonetheless, Bear writes, he says, Hi, Ryan, I recently came across your podcast by searching for swing trading since I am leaning more towards swing trading as a loophole from pattern day trading. I became interested in the markets because I am the type to seek growth in a challenge, but more so because the stock market is very fun to dissect. I want to make this a career because I recently got married and I want to support my wife and future kids, if I have any, and friends and family. My only problem is my lack of commitment to strategies I try to experiment with. I guess I shouldn't be too hard on myself for being so wishy-washy because I need to find the right one that fits my personality and master that particular one. Sometimes I feel like having a system is my system because I can see opportunities unfolding that I want to and do successfully. Taking that, I know how to play. Probably why I've been treading water. Actually, not sure what that sentence means, but okay. He says, but I know ultimately I need an actual system that I can follow to the T and can be disciplined enough to leave other opportunities on the table that involve the use of other strategies. I don't expect to turn my capital into $1 million in a matter of months, but I am simply in need of guidance. So here's some quick info. My risk management is pretty good. I never adjust my stops. I cut my losses and take them with a grain of salt. I use technical stop losses that are not arbitrary. My equity curve is treading water. So basically, he's not making anything right now. Strategy revolves around swing trading ABCD patterns so far, LOL. Sometimes I also cut myself some slack with taking setups that are not the best, but I'll take it. My personality contains indecisiveness, which is why I can't seem to find any consistency with my strategy. So if you have any advice on crafting a system and sticking to it, that would be great. Also, it would really help if I knew important events ahead of time so I don't get caught in the middle of major news events. What websites can I go to to keep track of Fed dates and or macroeconomic news? Any tips on finding a mentor, creating a trading business plan? Sorry if I left out some of the information that would help you understand my situation thoroughly. If you decide to put this in the podcast, you can call me Bear, which I did. But before you answer these questions, what are you drinking? Sincerely, Bear. Well, he provided me a good segue. What am I drinking? I am drinking a bottle from a friend of mine. He brought it over to the house for some pizza the other night. We'll call this guy Walt. Walt brings me some Rocky Mountain Stranahan's Original Single Malt Whiskey from the heart of Denver, Colorado. Handcrafted at a high altitude. 
And it's pretty cool bottle. It's one of the cooler bottles I think I've ever seen. It's flat in the back. Everything else is round, like in terms of having like a circular glass bottle, except for the back. It's very flat. And then it has this massive shot glass. It's like a, I want to say it's like a three ounce shot glass on top, which I don't think I could throw back three ounces of bourbon at all. But man, they want you to drink it fast, apparently, with that kind of a shot glass. But it goes right over the top. It's really, really cool. I'll have to post it on the Instagram account or something. But in any case, really like a nice golden color to it. To the smell, you'd pick up some like pepper smell. It's like a strong peppery flavor. Tasting it, nice, leathery, nutty tobacco flavors. It's like if I'm out in the Midwest and I'm on horseback and I'm just horsebacking through the Rocky Mountains, I think this is the kind of bottle that I would want sitting at a campfire at night. I think you could go through the whole bottle with a good friend. Finish, pretty solid. It'll give you a little heat there, let you know that it's sticking around for a bit. So overall, pretty solid bourbon until walt brought this thing by i'd never heard of it before so i'm gonna give this on a scale of zero to ten i'm gonna give it an eight oh a solid eight oh and not a lot of bourbons get that high on my ratings but this one did and shout out to jordan at the abc liquor store in orlando at orange and michigan he has to get a shout out on the podcast apparently for selling the bottle so (laughs) shout out to you jordan okay back to the email and man, that was a good bourbon too. I was really surprised. I wasn't sure what to expect because never even heard of it before, but it's good. So the one thing that catches me right off guard about what Bear said in his email is that he wants to do swing trading because it's a loophole from pattern day trading. It's like a way to avoid it. First of all, you shouldn't be doing it as a loophole. If you don't have $25,000 a day trade, it's really difficult to day trade because you can only do like three in a five day period before they shut you down. So I don't know how swing trading is a loophole. In fact, I would probably say in most cases, it's a much more profitable path to trading because day trading, you're really just trying to take advantage of intraday moves that are not guaranteed to move. But swing trading, you may not get a good move on the first day, but the second, third or fourth day, you might actually get that move. So I wouldn't consider it as a loophole. In fact, I would always tell people who are starting off in the stock market, don't start day trading. Day trading is not the right way to start off. I always tell people start off swing trading. Most people choose day trading though, because they think that it's somehow going to give them more money because they're trading more frequently, but more trades does not equal more money. In fact, I would say more trading equals less money. Most of the times people are going to lose money and far more of it as a day trader than they will as a swing trader. Yes, swing trader comes with its pitfalls and I've outlined them so many times in these podcasts. If you don't know them, go back and listen to a lot of these, but right off the top of the head, not following stop losses. Two, holding a stock through earnings. I mean, those are massive problems that a lot of swing traders have, and they just keep getting hit by it. In fact, as I'm speaking right now, Amazon just reported earnings and they're down 20%. Would I have ever thought that they dropped 20% in a single earnings report? No, not at least here in the here and now, but they did. And that's what makes earnings so difficult is that you can't predict just how crazy the earnings report can get. So those are the pitfalls of swing trading. But the focus on this particular point that I'm trying to make is, is that don't think that swing trading is some kind of a loophole. It's not not to day trading at least, or it's a different kind of a strategy. And it's a better strategy, in my opinion, not to knock people who do day trade and make it for a living. But I'm just saying from an odds standpoint, you have a far better chance making it as a swing trader than you do as a day trader. I have zero desire to day trade. I mean, there's times where I day trade because I have a bad trade and it stops me out the same day that I get into it. And that's usually a bad day of trading of when I have to turn a trade into a day trade. But There's also some good times too. Like if I get a good run out of a stock and let's say it goes up six or 7%, I had one not too long ago do that. And uh, I think it was QLD that I did that with. And I went ahead and booked a quarter of my gains on the day. So that in a sense, that was a day trade. He also says the market's very fun to dissect. It is fun. I actually enjoyed doing the technical analysis. So he's right there 
And he wants to make this a career so that he can support his wife and children and everything else. The thing is, is you can't just go straight into trading. Okay. You got to have some experience. You got to weather some bear markets, some bull markets and, and everything in between. And while I would say it's a lot better than working for the man, I worked for the man for six or seven years about. I hated it. I did not like it whatsoever. But I can tell you this, being my own boss, working for myself, it's a whole lot harder. Trading is a lot more stressful because it's on you. It's not on your boss to give you a paycheck. There may be times where you go weeks or months without a paycheck. And then what are you going to do? You're going to subtract your paycheck from your equity position, from your capital? and not from your gains that you just made in the stock market because you didn't make any, that's where it can get stressful because when then when you start cutting down on the original portfolio amount, that can start to weigh on you some because you don't have as much capital to trade now. Versus the 9 to 5 job. You go to work, you go home, you work the 9 to 5, nothing to it, right? I remember some of the times where I've had struggles as a trader where I would wonder, man, did I choose the right field for myself? I would go into like a Moe's, right? I love Moe's. I love Mexican food, honestly. I love all Mexican food. But I used to be a regular attender at Moe's. They actually knew me there. I would bring my laptop. I would just work for hours there. But there were times when I was down on my luck. I would look at the people making those burritos and I said, you know what? I envy them. They're going to get off today at 5 o'clock or whatever time they get off at. And they're going to go home, talk to some friends, have a beer, enjoy life. Maybe they don't make that much money or whatever it is, but happiness isn't always found in the amount of money that you have. Yes, it makes life a little bit easier when you do have money, but there was like this envy because here I would be going home and I'd be watching futures or I have to figure out what was wrong in my trading. But these guys, they got to go home and not think about any of that stuff. And so the point is, is that trading is stressful. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. And it's taken me years and years and years to really get a handle on it because I didn't have mentors starting out. I didn't have a podcast that I could listen to or uh, services that would help me to better understand the markets as a whole from someone who's seen quite a bit. As you know, I mean, this is essentially what I'm doing here. He asks one question, but I'm basically dissecting his entire email. But he says, my only problem with trading is my lack of commitment to the strategies I try to experiment with. Now, he says his only problem. One of the things I would say is you become a full-time trader, you're going to find out there's a lot more problems to your trading. You're going to find out, you know, the greed and the fears that come with trading and some of the emotions that you didn't even know that you had. But he's wishy-washy on his trading systems. He lacks commitment to it. And I think a lot of times people get very discouraged when they have a few losses in a row. I mean, there's times where I have five or six losses in a row and it just happens. I don't like it. I try to avoid that, but it does happen because sometimes you're just not going to be on the right side of the trade. But what happens to a lot of individual traders is that they will equate that with, oh, I need to get out of this. This strategy isn't working. Whereas maybe over the course of many years, it, it works out great. But there's going to be places along the way where you take some losses. Losses are going to happen. You're going to have lots of losses. Get used to it. If you want to stick around in the stock market, get used to having a lot of swing trading losses because you are. That's why the emphasis on reward to risk is so important because it takes into account the fact that you are going to have losses and you are going to have winners. But the only way you make it is if the winners far outweigh the losers. That's why I keep risk tight. Because the wider that risk gets, the more difficult it is to have enough reward to far outpace the risk. So yeah, I like stop losses that have 3 and 4% because that keeps the risk at bay. I'd rather have multiple losses at 3 or 4% than have a big loss at 50% or 40% or holding a stock through earnings that drops you know, 25 or 30% and maybe a couple more bad trades thereafter. But I think a lot of the wishy-washiness that Bear is having here is the fact that there's a lot of self-doubt that comes with those losses. And he wonders, I don't even know if this is sustainable. Maybe he hasn't done the research. Maybe he hasn't really thought really in depth about his trading system. And speaking of trading systems, 
things that you have to ask yourself about. Not only, even if it's a systematic trading system, you have to ask yourself, what position size are you comfortable with? What can you handle? What kind of drawdown does the system have or the strategy as a whole? Will X amount of drawdown completely wipe you out of your system, even if it continues to be profitable thereafter? Will you have enough capital left to be able to function? Big questions you got to ask yourself. The other thing that I think that a lot of people don't consider, and they're probably considering it now because that's what happened to me back in 2000. I started realizing, hey, the 90s is not the way that the market works. There are pullbacks. There are recessions. There are bubbles. And when they come to reality, when they become realized, crap starts to happen. The crap hits the fan. People start losing money. And is your trading system equipped for that? If it's a long only, does your trading system know to be patient? Does your trading system know when not to trade? If it's a long and short system, how long does it take before it goes from being bullish to being bearish? Is it getting bearish towards the bottom? That's a big question to ask because the last thing you want to do is lose all the way down and then get bearish right at the bottom and then lose by going short when it's going back up. And I would say this as well. If you have a system, if you have a strategy, you got to be willing to adapt. you got to be willing to improve. It's not just enough to say, hey, I found an edge in the market. I'm just going to go with this and I'm not going to do anything to change it for years and years to come. Things change in the market. Adapting becomes more important. You discover things that you didn't consider when you were first creating your strategy or system for trading. One of the things for me in this market, and it comes more from experience than anything else, is when things get really bad, there's warnings from companies about their earnings and they come out of the clear blue and they become more and more frequent these days than what I've ever seen. And so I've been much more geared towards the ETFs until we can kind of get out of this craziness of earnings season to the short side. I can control my volatility in my portfolio. I can better control the volatility in my portfolio by trading inverse ETFs and leverage inverse ETFs. And that's helpful and still remain profitable in a bear market. With my trading strategy, I've learned to filter out more bad trades, get rid of some unnecessary losses that I would have taken five, 10 years ago. And that's all about improving and adapting. Learning. Trading less has probably been one of the best skill sets that I've developed over the past few years, and it's been really amplified in this particular market. Not just trading because I want to trade. Also, one of the things that helps is swingtradingthestockmarket.com. Swingtradingthestockmarket.com is going to give you all of my stock market research each and every day. This is going to include ideas and setups that I'm watching. This is going to include updates on the overall market, the big tech stocks, which is really handy on a week like this where you just had calamity across the board with big tech. It's also going to include updates on my watch list each week and so much more. So check that out, swingtradingthestockmarket.com, and you're supporting this podcast as a result. Now, Bear, his strategy is an ABCD pattern. I'm going to guess that that's like Elliott Wave Theory. My personal experiences with Elliott Wave Theory is not good. I'm not a huge fan with it. I've talked to the people who employ it. They swear by it. It's I don't want to say it's cultish, but it kind of comes across that way at times, not to say that they're, you know, in a cult, I, but <laughs> whatever, man, you know, I'm not a big fan of Elliott wave. We'll just leave it at that. So with Elliott wave theory, you know, you got all these like a patterns, B patterns. That's the one of the two and the A of the B and the two of the three. And I'm kind of poking fun at it a little bit here, but it doesn't ever seem to be an exact thing until after the fact, you really don't know if that was wave a or wave B or counter rally one or counter rally two until after the fact. And then all of a sudden, when it does a good way, it's like, oh, that was the B wave or, oh, that was the C wave. And so some of you guys may be taking issue with me. And that's okay. I don't really knock too many trading strategies, but Elliott Wave is one of them that I just really have no interest in. And who knows? Maybe that's where some of his indecisiveness is because he's having difficulty being able to tell, you know, which pattern is A, which pattern is B, and so forth. And oftentimes, our indecisiveness with trading comes from trades that we don't want to take. 
true story. Most of the time, the, the trades that I don't want to take are the ones that are usually the most profitable. The ones that I'm like, oh, man, I just don't really want to take another loss. I really don't want to you know, take another hit across the chin here. Usually those are the trades that end up being pretty good. I'm telling you, it's weird. The ones that are the, I'm the most optimistic on are usually the ones that I have to take an L on. Now to his actual question that Barrett asks. He wants to know a system that he can craft it to, and stick to. You know, I feel like I'm giving him a lot of points throughout this podcast, so I'm pretty sure I've answered most of that. But I will say this. Much of trading is responding to the market. Support, resistance, breakouts, you know, holding of support, holding of resistance, and understanding what all of that means. So when a stock does hold support, what does that mean? When a stock breaks through support, what does that mean? Support doesn't mean that it's going to hold support every time. When there's a breakout potentially out of a base, doesn't mean that it's just going to go ramping higher. And so everything that a stock does is a clue into it trying to tell you its story. It's holding support again. What does that tell you? It means that there's a lot of buyers there. If it's breaking support, what does that tell you? It means that the buyers are not as strong as they once were. And I know this sounds super simplistic, but oftentimes some of the best solutions are simple. And so, like I said, much of trading is responding to what the market's doing. What is it trying to tell you? What is the sectors doing? What are the industries that you're trading, what are they doing? Sometimes you'll see tech taking off, but you're seeing the semiconductors lag. What does that tell you? Maybe it's not the best time to be getting in NVIDIA or AMD or Intel or whatever. As far as knowing what news is about to hit the wires, it's really easy. Google like economic calendar. There's plenty of them out there. Almost every one of your big financial news sites has them. They'll tell you all the big news events that are going to take place. Most of them happen at 8.30 a.m. Eastern time. That's like your GDP or your jobless claims or the employment number or CPI. Then you have the FOMC. They meet every six weeks and they release their results of their FOMC meeting at two o'clock PM Eastern time on each of those Wednesdays. And then they have a presser at two 30 and that's also a very volatile event. So pretty easy to stay up on the news. You just got to be willing to do it. Google economic calendar. There will be plenty of sites that'll tell you what news is going to be happening throughout the course of the week. And if you enjoyed this podcast episode, I would encourage you to leave me a five-star review. That means the world to me. If this podcast has helped you out in any way, the best thing you can do to repay me would just be leave me a five-star review and tell me what the podcast has done to help you as a trader. I read them all. They mean the world to me. And keep sending me your questions, guys. There's no dumb questions to ask here on Swing Trading the Stock Market. I appreciate you guys sending me your questions. Please, please, please keep sending me them. Sometimes you guys get quiet on me and I don't get as many as I would like. So send them to me. You'll be surprised at how easy it is to get on this show. Thank you guys. And God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the SharePointer Trading Block where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to shareplanner.com slash trading block. That's www.shareplanner.com slash trading block. And follow me on SharePlanner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at ryan at shareplanner.com. All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon. 